feel like my profile will be like, Steph the photographer, she kills them with kindness. (laughs) (laughs) The kind kind murderer. The kind kind murderer. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) As what? Where did it go (laughs) that I suddenly kill people for a living? Okay, I think we need to move on. Hi listeners, welcome to the 161 podcast where we share stuff we've been chatting about in the studio. I'm Matt Miller, I am creative director at 161. This is episode 01 and in the room today we have to the left of me, Jared Saar, I am operations director. (laughs) Why is that? It's not funny. (laughs) It's not, every time. Uh, I think it's because of how you're sat, Jared. (laughs) He looks like... You sound like you're marking us. I'm a distinguished gentleman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and then to the left of Jared, we've got Andy Cattuni. Technically, it's a plant to the left of me. <laughs> and in front Guys, of Guys, let's not we'll stop. introduce okay. Mitch the plant. Mitch the plant. Yeah. Mitch the plant. Nice. Um, looking mighty fine. Uh, yeah, Andy Cattuni, fellow creative director, design director, whatever you want to call me. No, to the fine. left of Andy, we have Steph Falcano. I'm Chief Creative Officer slash Creative Director. Again, whatever you want to call me. The way this is going to work, we're just going to have a conversation and we'll have a theme each episode and we'll explore some of the conversations that we've already been having in the studio. So we have this kind of mantra, this like tagline that we have at 161, uh, see purpose realized, which is kind of, extracted from our why which is that we exist to see purpose realized i think as an agency it's what we want for our clients that in their values in their messaging in the reason that they do what they do they would see it realized through our branding work through our design through our messaging all the creative stuff that we do but at the same time there's like an internal kind of philosophy as well around seeing purpose realized in that for our colleagues, the people that work for us, for freelancers. Our prerogative is that they would see their purpose realized as well, so that they would discover their ability, they would discover who they are, they would discover things about their why, and that we'd be able to facilitate that through their work and opportunity. So we thought for the first episode, we'd talk about that, like seeing purpose realized and why that's a thing for us. Why is that our USP behind 161? Why mm. did we feel like we should set up an agency? Because we're only, what, in year three? Yeah. Why is it that we set up an agency with that methodology and we thought that it was important for now? But it's probably, I mean, Jared and Steph, you guys have probably got a better understanding of this because you introduced me to a book called Start With Why. Yeah, I kind of looked at Start With Why because I was asking myself the question, what am I doing? And I think it was around the fact that for me, it wasn't about the, it wasn't about the idea of like, someone's got to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. Um, and you know, and waiting for that shining light to guide me on the correct path. I think it was more for me, it was like, I don't necessarily feel satisfied with where I'm at and I couldn't see it changing. So I was asking myself the question, well, how do I find that satisfaction and getting up in the morning, doing what I love? And when I'm 50 years old, will I still be getting up in the morning and doing what I love? And it was that whole journey of like, I just felt I have to figure this out. And Steph, who is my wife as well, I think we had had a lot of conversations and probably I was quite annoying, I think, for about a year and a half. Just a um, year and a half? Well, <laughs> I think, yeah, I've been an excellent husband, <laughs> um, I must say. No, anyway, um, I think we were having that discussion because we had moved from Australia. We were trying to figure a few things out. So when I went on this journey, it was reading this book, Start With Why, but it was also a step back from everything I'd done previously in my career and work-wise and actually taking a chance to go, well, okay, what is it? What is my why? What is my purpose? I mean, I confidently can say I couldn't put it into a sentence today for you. I think it's something that it's still, as I'm going through life and even this company is starting to discover like the things I really enjoy and the things that make me, I guess, that satisfaction. But I think when we were started working together, Steph's a um, professional photographer. That's when we were kind of exploring the idea behind brands and photography and purpose. And you were also on that journey yourself within your own work. Do you want to maybe expand on that, Steph? Um, I think a lot of my 
ability to understand work came from understanding the concept, understanding the purpose behind it and why people even do the work that they do. And I think from my side of things and in my career, particularly being a little bit more steered towards fashion, I really struggled doing photo shoots that had no anchor point and no solid story to tell as much as I would be able to do through my travel photography where the culture was all around me and I was immersed into someone's story. And I found that a lot easier to be able to capture and share that story through my lens than through fashion. So I think it's always been a part of the work that I do, but also being Hispanic and being born and raised in Australia and being an identical twin, identity and purpose has always been something that I really needed to go through and understand for myself. And even to this day, trying to really understand how that looks like when I've shared my life with someone else for my entire childhood. So I think within that, it was actually quite important for us to understand why we even moved to the UK as well as doing a stint in France as well. So adopting a new culture several times for us as a married couple has been quite interesting because we needed to navigate of how we understand ourselves within that Mm. culture as well as in the work that we do. Yeah, and I think... Going on that journey, I knew Matt and Matt obviously knew Andy. So I hadn't met Andy at this point, but I think I had known Matt. I'd had these conversations with Matt previously. I think just joking more like when we'd see something on the internet or a website or someone do a song or something like that and we'd kind of look at the lyrics or we'd look at something and we'd just think, what are they doing? Like, what's, made, what, what's going on here? Like, What's the point of this thing that they've just put out? And I think for Steph being a professional photographer, it was that question of how do we present images to kind of reflect the purpose that the client's trying to share or the story that the client's trying to share. And so I think when we were going through that conversation, I knew Matt and then Matt knew Andy. I think we all kind of came to this point that we're all creative. We all want to have a purpose for our own lives. I think we saw collectively we could help each other find that. But I think as well, when we were showing you the start with Why Book, Matt, I think it was maybe stuff that you kind of knew at that point, but maybe didn't have the words for, but it was just going, I think we should do something here. I think we all have a shared frustration and things that don't make sense. Mm. Um, so it was more like a starting this agency and see purpose realize it's like, why don't we start something where it's not just the photography that um, we feel like we've put the purpose behind. But actually, what if when we come and a brand engages with us, we can make sure everything that comes out of what we do means something and says something. It might be worth actually as well hearing from Andy's perspective as well with branding like that whole journey. But maybe we before we go down there, Matt, what do you have thoughts on? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're looking to me for approval. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I, I'm running. Matt's this. eyes went really wide like, shut up. <laughs> No, it's interesting. I think it's proven itself, like, because we have the tendency to over-articulate as creatives, right? Because yes. we feel like we need to, like, justify our creativity. Because mm-hmm. I feel like even as an industry, it's not something that is well-funded. It's like, you know, if you go down the creative path, especially if you're, like, you know, I'm Black British, my parents' children of Windrush. And so it's kind of like you're told from a young age, your whole life is steered towards career success to a certain degree so if you're like try to do something creative that isn't going to pay bills there's a shame attached to it Mm. and I feel like you know you don't have to be a minority to even have that on your shoulders like I think if there's just expectations that you're going to have a successful career that rarely looks like a creative career it Mm. looks like something that's stable and solid so that may not be the case for everyone but I think sometimes there's that impetus then to over articulate and justify your creativity because you almost need to make it relevant whereas it doesn't need to be that way at all and so I think like going down this whole start with why thing was quite important because it's proven itself even just as a business like yes we're creative but we run an agency like it's a business Mm. and I think it's helpful for when you're mapping out your business that there's that intentionality like you know the greater reason why you're doing this Mm. and you can hold ethical and moral decisions to account and you can hold the culture to account that you're like establishing like within the room and so I think it's been really important for us to have like almost like our personal wise aligned so we all know what are we about here what are the things that are going to like wind us up what are the things that we're not going to stand for mm. it's not like we need to have a huge paragraph of that it just needs to be a very simple thing and I think you know the C purpose realize holds us to account to a certain degree yeah 
What I also found quite interesting, I think, during my journey and being friends with a lot of other creatives is how many of them struggle to actually articulate what they're about and what their work is about Mm. and what their anchor and purpose is. I'm not too sure whether you guys have found that the same with your networks, but I do find it quite interesting that because there is no anchor point or no one has taught us how to speak confidently about the work that we do and why we produce it, that we're then stuck needing to compare ourselves to other people. And then we get stuck within this sense of comparison instead of distinction. And mm. I do find that quite interesting. You know, one of the things that stood out to me is in the MGM opening scene, you know, if you've been to the cinema, it's that classic ornate design with the lion in the center that's roaring. And if for anyone who spotted it and knows a bit of Latin, I don't know Latin, I just found out what it meant. There's some text around it that says art for art's sake. And I thought that was an interesting concept. And I'm sure many, many kind of young up and coming designers and illustrators and creatives would, you know, resonate with that idea that there needs no justification for the work that I'm doing. It's Mm. integral to who I am. I love to create. It gives me a lot of life and joy. But I think one of the challenges of that statement is that it moves away from the reality of what shapes and molds are creative process. So regardless of whether you are intentionally trying to put purpose and meaning behind your work, you have already been shaped and impressed on and influenced by your worldviews, by the culture that you live in, by your upbringing, mm-hmm. by your values and the things that you're passionate about. So regardless of what your intentions might be, you are always bringing a story behind your work Mm. and I think for us at 161 we want to tap into that I guess more obviously more boldly we want to celebrate that part of the creative process because that's what we think speaks most when we observe work that really resonates with us or that we enjoy looking over or interacting with and we feel that that's the strongest part of every creative process is the story behind the decisions of why we chose a certain color or why we lit a scene in a certain way to take photos of that particular subject, why we chose a certain location, and whatever the element is that comes together to form that piece, we want to tap into that storytelling piece. Mm. We want to create a a beautiful narrative so that whoever might be interacting with that can come along with the journey, can get the story behind it. It's, Mm. It's not just about the face value, look and feel of it. It's not just a pretty picture but there's something much richer and much deeper behind it. And I think that's why our motto is to see purpose realized. Mm. And that infiltrates even through our work. It's not just about coming alongside clients and helping them to understand what their brand is and who they are as a company, or maybe it's a musician or another, I guess, creative project that we're trying to help out on. It's trying to get them to see that actually there's a lot of purpose behind what we choose and what we decide on. And so in many ways, we, we don't create art for art's sake because even if your intentions aren't to try and put meaning or purpose behind it, you are already doing that because of who you are. You're a person. So I think that's one of the things that makes us excited about actually tapping into this and Mm. saying, this is really key to the creative process. And we want to take advantage of that. It's a book that I read recently called Great Thinkers by the School of Life, which went through a whole bunch of different great thinkers. (laughs) Who would have thought? Nice. Um, But they were speaking a lot about how artists in the old days had the power to highlight and bring attention to things that are often overlooked. For example, someone like Vermeer, who was one of the first painters that would depict everyday circumstances and everyday life while before portraiture was all about people within prestigious positions and I think we still carry that as artists and as creatives nowadays that we're able to bring attention to things that people may not think about on a day-to-day life and I think that that's the power that's the influence that comes through art in itself. It's interesting I think for me like I'm almost devil's advocate is in the world of business today as a creative like you were saying Steph who doesn't really know their why or their angle and doing business in a creative agencies why should people care why should people care that we focus on purpose and does it affect the bottom line does it actually make a difference to the pounds in the bank and will it make a difference for their team will it make a difference for people connecting with the brand um and I think it's an important question to ask because um you know people want to know uh, like why should we go with 161 versus some other agency 
I mean, I hope it does matter, otherwise our whole business is flawed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good question, actually. Like, it's interesting because I had, I don't think I've told you guys this, but, like, I had a conversation with a photography agency and the whole reason behind it wasn't that I was intentionally looking for representation, but I'm kind of starting that journey around the photography stuff that I do. Again, how should that be done? How should it be managed? Like, I'm trying to figure that whole space out. And then, obviously, like, as a creative director, we have 161. And the two line up and there's loads of crossover but I think they're a benefit to each other and so I'm trying to figure out okay what's the most responsible way for handling both of these two things mm. and so kind of exploring this route of like representation and is that the best thing for me so I had a conversation with a few people who've been kind of guiding me through that process and which led me to a conversation with an agency and it was so interesting the conversation because they'd actually gone through the window of 161 to discover who I was first mm. so they'd gone to the agency and read through everything and it's so interesting because I sent like my overview, which is a bunch of images that I take. And an overview is different to your book because it's just images. But the person hadn't even looked at it, oh. which I was a bit like, that's strange. Like you're having a meeting with someone and you've not looked at their work. Mm. And then they were like, oh, I'm confused. Is this person wanting us to sign the agency or sign him as a photographer? And then that person figured it out and was like, oh, no, I found his personal website, which my personal website is just a bit of a joke. I, I did it in rebellion <laughs> to COVID. I just was looking at so many photographers' websites and they're all the same. They're just white portfolio. Yeah. You scroll right or you swipe up and down. It's just, and it was really boring and I think I was in a strange place at the start of COVID. Oh, just for people listening in 25 years' time to this podcast, which is going to break the internet. <laughs> Research yeah. COVID. It's COVID right now. <laughs> oh, you'll, yes, be, you'll be yeah. reading about this in your history yeah. books and everything yeah, else yeah. that's happened. I think most of those history books will be filled with memes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't know what a meme is, I'd suggest researching that as well. We probably would advance to yeah. some hologram. When you find yeah. this, like in the post-apocalyptic world, like this is a moment in yeah. history if, right if now. If this podcast survives. If it survives, yeah. Yes. I hope it does. We need a like a blue Peter capsule thing. Yes. By the way, if you're not from the UK, <laughs> research that too. Do you remember time capsules? How arrogant is it to bury your crap in the ground, <laughs> pollute the earth, and then expect someone to dig it up later and care about it? Yeah. I remember those episodes of Blue Peter where someone would lift out this tin out of the ground and it's like, look at this mangled teddy bear. And yeah. it's like, you just, oh. <laughs> you just feel like, Great. And some, some of the stuff wouldn't be socially acceptable today. Like some of the things Probably that not. 100 years ago. <laughs> maybe people... not in Australia. Well, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> well, you can't bury anything in the ground there. Why? Too many poisonous things want to kill you while you try to do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continuing on what tangent. Yeah. Um. So this person basically was kind of communicating that the 161 website was super thorough on the why and the purpose and like was so deep. And then they basically went on my personal website, which was just like, what is this crate? Like, they, they got scared because basically, you know, you should, if you want to, <laughs> I don't know how that, to even describe it. That's mattmiller.com. Thatmattmiller.com. Yeah. There we go. There's the plug. There's the yeah. plug. And he's looking for representation. So if anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's listening that runs a photo agency. And it's basically just my face, like, on the screen. Yeah. It's like a desktop, loads of pictures it's that I've taken. It's like Windows XP. Exactly. Mm. It's really antagonistic. And the person described it as quite punk rock, which I was really excited by, because yeah. it sounds like something out of School of Rock, that Jack Black would say. But anyway, they were like, yeah, your website doesn't communicate that. It was just images. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, isn't that what it should be? So then I felt like he was saying, you need to show why like what's your purpose mm. behind that so i was like oh it's interesting because you know even agencies if they're going to sell a photographer to a client essentially if there's loads of portfolios on the table and a client picks one it's like the images are good but what is who is this person yeah. but i feel like then it kind of does a contradictory thing that i said afterwards because then that person the agency communicated they were like you know clients are looking for the personality behind the photographer so every client likes to say, oh, we had that photographer work on this shoot or we had this photographer mm -hmm. work on that shoot. And so he's like, so, you know, like as a photographer, you kind of need to have like that not rock and roll essence, but they were kind of communicating yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So now I was like, wow, you've just automatically undermined purpose because what you really said is you want superstar photographers That's that are personalities. So it doesn't matter about what they've shot and it doesn't yeah. matter about who they truly are. You just want someone to present a niche thing that you can sell to yeah, a client. Yeah. So you could say to the fashion client, yo, 
this guy just swears all the time, but they're really intense and that intensity creates these images. Or you want to be like, oh, this person's all about intimacy and blah, blah. Or you want to have that wild photographer that just like has a backpack and bare feet and just <laughs> travels the world hanging out with bands and hang like that's what you're yeah. actually asking for. So I feel like it does matter purpose, right? But I feel like a lot of people don't actually know how that manifests. How do you, how does it, how does that realize itself? Where does purpose actually hit home? Because we see it in John Lewis Christmas adverts sometimes, right? But then you see, <laughs> but after a while it becomes gimmicky. So I feel like maybe we don't actually know what we're asking for when we're asking for us to get purpose. Is it personality or is it something more than that? Right. Yeah, very interesting. I feel like yeah. my profile will be like, Steph the photographer, she kills them with kindness. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> As what? Your selling point? <laughs> I feel like there would be nothing else. She's just this goofy person on set. The yeah. kind the kind murderer. The kind. The yeah. kind murderer. <laughs> Wow. Where did it go that I suddenly kill people for a living? Okay, I think we need to move on. (laughs) We probably do. I think it'd be interesting, Steph, to hear your view on this because you explain it really well. It's the idea of marketing to people and marketing the idea of purpose because we're talking Mm. about then someone trying to sell a product, which is the photographer Mm. and their personality. But at the same time, I kind of heard that you're trying to sell what makes you different or they're trying to sell what makes different. So, Steph, you have spoken about this when it comes to marketing, the different ideas of pushing or pulling and what purpose can do. I think we need to get a bit of context before being able to go in that. But obviously, pre-internet, it was all about companies putting up billboards or advertising in magazines and saying, look at our wonderful, shiny new product. And then nowadays with the internet, we've been like flooded with the availability of information that now life or marketing has had to transform into something completely different to how it used to be, which is a one-way conversation where the brand would talk to you and you would just be like, nod your head and move on. But now it's changed to something where it's a two-way conversation. And I think from that, the old day was all about this push marketing. Let's chase after the the consumer and Mm. say, buy this, buy this, buy this. And then nowadays it's all about, okay, we know who we're about. And this is what we're about. If you identify with the culture that we represent, come join us. And that's more of a pull marketing. And I think this is where purpose has suddenly become the new thing that brands and the marketing industry is starting to talk about that if we're able to say, well, this is what we're about, we stop competing, we start bringing people in who identify with our culture and our product and our purpose. And I think that's what has changed nowadays because anyone can find internet, anyone can find a, a hundred different clothing brands that are to some degree quite similar in their approach. So people are wanting to find out more to mm. understand, okay, out of all of these, which one do I choose And that really comes about a personality fit long-term and that's a pooling marketing. And I think there's this dichotomy between uh, creatives that are stuck between trying to get noticed Mm. versus trying to do the work that they're passionate about. And then within that gray area, they start to lose themselves because they're trying to push to get noticed, Mm. but then pull for people to identify with their work. And then they start to lose themselves between the two because they don't know which one is the right one. And I think brands are stuck within that same capacity of just Mm. going, do we compete or do we become quite distinct? I guess within the state of 2020, Mm. what a year, kind of. I guess if we're talking about about purpose, has it become more integral after this year? Great question. With everything that's happened, considering that brands are moving more into the digital space and the digital space are predominantly navigated by Gen Z and millennials who have felt that they've got this task to keep brands accountable, to be a lot more transparent, to be a lot more honest and authentic in their approach with, I guess, the multitude of things that we've all had to metabolize this year alone. Is it more necessary that we need purpose? This is a great question, right? Because this is something I've been thinking about because our business is about the purpose side of things, which feels like quite human. Mm. Like Mm. it's a very human thing. But the future is digital. And that means that it's not just even about the presentation, but the measure. 
So digital agencies are coming up. They're a new thing, right? And it's all about analytics and the measure of behavior. Conversion rates. And Mm. conversion. And you can literally be like, right, we can herd all these people in this direction and generate this amount of sales. You can actually measure the return, right? Mm. And so like huge companies, they want to pay for something they know is going to give them the return. If they're spending 100K on marketing that they hope might do something, they don't know what that's going to be. But if they plow that into a digital agency... That's going to literally condense and revise messaging to make sure that it gets £300,000 worth of return. Then it makes sense. They're mm. going to keep doing that every time. Yeah, You can almost argue then, do we need to ever create new campaigns or rebrand or anything like that? Or do we just literally just have the same old thing and just funnel all our money into mm basically manipulating people's behavior. Mm. I mean, I think we have a bit more hope as humans than feeling like we're that susceptible to being robots. Mm. But I mean, it's a strange time. Just to add to that, I think what I've observed just from personal perspective is that a lot of people are more conscious of what they do with technology. And so people are aware of the certain behaviors and patterns in their lives that is dependent on social media or the internet or their mobile phones or whatever it is. And with recent documentaries like The Social Dilemma or having a lot of these kind of former leaders of these big tech companies saying that actually there seems to be a wave moving away. Or not even letting their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's Instagram. That's that's a clear example. Like, you know, a lot of these leaders don't let their children have a mobile phone even up until they're like 16 or 18 because they know the dangers and the pitfalls of how technology can influence our behaviors and also how they've been programmed to influence our behaviors. Um, So what I've actually observed is that people are moving more towards human-based technology. A lot of artisan crafts have grown in this year as well. Making bread. (laughs) Yeah, sourdough bread is obviously on trend right now. So shout out to everyone who can make sourdough. Um, Coffee. Coffee's a big one at the moment. But even just within the crafts, design and illustration and photography, people are are after unique pieces. Nobody wants mass-produced stuff. People like the personal touch. They, they want to feel like that what they have, there, is, there isn't another carbon copy of it. And I think what will be interesting to observe maybe in the next few years is how actually marketing will move away from the digital world. I, I suspect that that will be a, a long-term thing. And the way that technology is developing, it might be the case that technology becomes more human, whether that's a chip in your brain or the way that we use technology is more integrated into human life. So over covid period we've had zoom and video messaging and whatever filled it blank there but we've used technology in a new way i think Mm. previously we would have thought of that as a convenient means of talking to someone but now it's a necessity yeah Mm. yeah yeah. so i think it would be interesting to see how technology becomes more human and i think that will dramatically affect how we talk to one another how brands communicate themselves and following on from what Steph said earlier, if there's this conversation happening between the brand and the target audience, then that will massively influence how we present information and how we present products. I think it's not so straightforward. I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years' time we start to see a shift in the way that we use technology. I do also wonder that nowadays brands are having to quite like humanise their communications. Uh, instead of speaking like a brand, they speak like a person. And I wonder whether that's more so because we have had this need to harness the digital space a lot more since we haven't been able to leave our homes for a lot of the time. I do find that quite interesting of an approach um, where the technology can also catch up to become a lot more human to go hand in hand, I guess, with the communications. Yeah, I think an interesting point on that too is, I guess, my my thought around brand loyalty. And it's asking that question that you're saying before, push-pull marketing and are we funneling people through data and, you know, is my microphone overhearing me talking about the PlayStation 5, <laughs> which is coming out, which is out, and I'm getting in a couple of weeks, very excited. Um, but is it hearing what I'm having to say? And, that you was know, unnecessary information. No, no, no. <laughs> and if anyone out there works for Sony, you know, I would love a pair of those headphones. Yeah, um, but anyway, it's... Jim Ryan, kind of, hope you're it, listening. So, you know, we're talking about data and conversions and... What's data? Um, well, data. data. Sorry, you guys say it, data. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll translate that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. We'll have subtitles on the bottom of the podcast. <laughs> Wait, do you know how podcasts work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we throw pods at people, right? Yeah, that's exactly um, it. So, but it's asking the question, like, we, you know, we could herd people through conversions and all those kind of things. But I think as we've seen when 
and we talk about purpose, when a brand says something or does something that is untrue, that's when we lose customers. Mm. And and I think the idea that we're talking about with da- um, data, far out, I don't know why I keep, <laughs> data and conversions and all those kind of things is, that's really tiring. And if you have the money for that, and if you can do that, great, then pour all your money into that, figure out what people are doing. And we also think as a business, that is important to have those numbers, but to keep that up and to continue to be able to change your message or adapt your message to suit where the trends is going, I mean, sooner or later, there'll be another business that'll do the same thing as you and say things a little bit better than you do. And can you keep up with that? Yeah. And I guess we're saying actually purpose. And I guess this is another, again, we're plugging Simon Sinek. This is another one of his books, The Infinite Game. He's talking about what is something that outlasts even your vision and people can pick up your vision mm. going forward and you build a company that's bigger than yourself because that will never die. And mm. if you can share that message and you can make your products reflect that message and you can be true and have integrity to that message, that's brand loyalty. And we've seen, I think there's probably a million examples of when uh, companies don't quite market something that's true. And Gen Z these days, they will go to town on you. They're sharp. Yeah, they are sharp. sharp They'll figure out if you're telling the truth. Basically, don't go on Twitter. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Actually, part of my research recently, um, I was as I always do, read a billion articles. But one quote that really stood out was, there is no merit in profit without purpose. Equally, purpose without profit is unsustainable. So it really is important that if we want to have longevity in any given industry, purpose is so important. So we maintain almost a lane to run in Mm. instead of trying to find new destinations every two seconds. I was just thinking about purpose and how we discover purpose, whether that's in a brand or in a person. But I was really struck by a video that I came across the other day on YouTube. So funny YouTube algorithms, aren't they? Yeah. You land on the homepage and it's like, you should watch this. (laughs) Pineapple pen. (laughs) And it's like, and you get suckered in. You're like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And then you're down a rabbit hole and into the abyss of the internet. TikTok as well. But the video that came up was former President Obama, and he was awarding Michael Jordan with the Medal of Freedom, Presidential Medal of Freedom. I don't know what that means. Mm. Any American listeners, please let us know what that medal is for. Did he get discounts with it or something? Like what? <laughs> yeah, he gets discounts at Foot Locker. I don't know why I automatically assumed you'd get a discount because I've I've never had a medal that allows me to yeah. have a discount anywhere. I, I just got participation awards. I never got any medals. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Marcus Rashford gets discounts now because of his MBE? Maybe. Oh, that guy's like a god in Manchester. Yeah. Big up. I mean, kudos to him. Like, it's incredible the work that he's been doing. So, Thanks, Big up, Marcus. Marcus. For all your work. Love you, mate. Mm. Yeah, we really do. Yeah, so back to the story. So Obama's awarded Michael Jordan with this medal, obviously for his achievements in sport and in culture. I think what's great about this video is what Obama says before he awards the medal. So he, he talks of, you know, Michael's achievements in life whether that was in basketball whether that was in fashion etc etc and what i really love about it is that he attributes his success and his fame and his perseverance to michael realizing who he was as a person so he says you know michael is more than the rings and more than the trophies and more than the success michael jordan is michael jordan and i thought it was great how barack obama he put the two together this idea that Michael Jordan realized his purpose and that's what led him to be great. Mm. That's what led him to be successful in life and the things that he was passionate about and the things that he excelled in. And so that that kind of made me think about how are there people in my life who have um, done likewise, who inspire me to do the same? You know, as the, the famous phrase goes, you know, you've got to be like Mike. And I, yeah, I just love to hear, you know, yeah. are there people in your own lives or have you observe someone from afar like maybe it's a famous person or you know well-known celebrity or whatever it is who's realized their purpose and really gone for it to the degree that it's had an impression on you in the way that you live your life and you think do you know what i want to be like that person i mean they even marketed off the back of that didn't they like be like mike because that's what the whole thing was like if you buy the trainers if you like eat a mcdonald's if you drink whatever pepsi or coke or whatever you endorsed you can be like mike it's the old ads wasn't it yeah that was like a whole thing which is crazy because that goes into your thing. Like, at what point in life do you get to where your name is 
the thing. Is it? Like the Beyonce. People is just the, know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I don't know if I could name someone specifically, like as in this person inspires me to do what I'm doing today. But I think the concept that you're talking about, which is, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously you can talk about purpose, but then you also got to talk about talent. And the fact that you could argue he fell into that world and he just happened to be good. But actually, I think what you're saying is actually his purpose and wanting to be the best and taking everything personally (laughs) (laughs) from what you got from Last Dance was the driving factor. For me, what I saw by the end of the series was, um, you know, we can have all these debates and I don't know enough about all the players to say who's the greatest of all time. I think it's Michael Jordan. But I think the mindset that he had was... Oh, they're supposed to be the best? Okay, I'm going to show you who's the best. And I think it was that drive that he had the purpose to say, like, I can do this, I can be the best. And I think for me, what you're saying, it sounds like, who do I see in my life that inspires me to that kind of drive of going, like, whatever I do, I want to have this attitude. And I think for me, it's not so much about being the best from people I've seen, but I specifically remember back when I was, like, a teenager, early teens, I go to church and I went to a church service and there was a guy who was visiting that day and it just so happened to be that he was working or he had just worked on the Transformers movie when they first came out. And I remember it was like, what? Like this, this guy, I didn't, he was someone in the background, but it was like the most famous kind of person that I've ever seen. And he sat down and he drew a picture of a Transformer And it was like, whoa, this is incredible. It blew my mind. But I think for me as a young kid, it was like this thing of going like, oh my gosh, this is a grown man loving what he's doing and drawing this artwork for this movie about Transformers. And for me, it was this inspiring thing of like, oh, wow, maybe one day I could enjoy what I do so much and find this joy from it. Because, you know, he's on a Sunday. He's not supposed to be working, but he's still drawing and stuff like that. It was a clearly passion for him. So I think for me, it was like my first little eye opener of going, oh, excitement and passion. It kind of made me think, I want to be excited and passionate about what I do. I want to get up with that joy um, and have like that kind of not counting the clock, but I have to work. So I think for me, I couldn't say his name. I don't know his name. It's more about the idea that he kind of imparted to me, which was this fun excitement around what he was doing um i don't know about you guys it's interesting i was struggling to think of someone that i would say inspires me because they like realize their purpose Mm. all the time but i think that's because i wouldn't say like i'm a realist whatever that word means but i find it hard sometimes if i don't know someone i'm assuming a lot about them and it's hard for me to be inspired by assumptions Mm. because i don't feel like it's real so i feel like actually the people that have inspired me are just very real people that i've actually seen them have a lot of integrity in them say doing the things that they say they're about mm. or the things that they say they're going to do. So like one example for me is also like growing up, there was this guy that used to run this youth club called Duncan. <laughs> so it's a random story. Like it's not a glamorous story at all. He made donuts. But I just think like he did not make, he did not make donuts. Duncan donuts? No, not Duncan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jared. Okay, sorry. I used to live in this... Um, this town in Leeds, Northwest Leeds, called Horsforth, very random place. Um, but it was a nice place to grow up. And he used to just run like loads of youth stuff just because he just cared about that town. Like mm-hmm. he just cared about young people growing up doing well. He cared about football and cricket, huge Leeds United fan, used to love cricket for like West Yorkshire. But I think he just did the stuff he said he was going to do. And he displayed to me that he cared about things that he genuinely said he cared about. And for him, his purpose was to just bring life into Horsworth. So if that meant creating some affairs or like markets or like sports festivals or like taking us on trips to stuff, he just loved young people in the town and them doing stuff and them seeing success. And there's been like loads of people that come from that town who have done well in sports because of some of the stuff that he set up or like done well just in whatever And so I feel like for me, those are the kind of people that when I stop and think and I evaluate, do I have integrity in the stuff that I'm doing? Am I actually living my life like it has purpose? I almost feel like I'm subconsciously holding myself to account by those standards that Mm. those people have set for me. Mm. And I think that's something that I try and model as well. I think that's something about the availability of what we're doing at 161 is I want to make sure that my peers, that if I say we're going to pay you on time and we're going to pay you X amount, we do that. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not taking advantage of people. Like, it's bigger than just inverted commas business. Like, Mm. I think I want to see the people that I care about thrive and prosper. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of them have been subject to bad cultures, agencies. And as freelancers, it's not even a privilege. That's just how we should be if we honor each other and value each other and see purpose in each other and so mm. i think <clears throat> that's something that like the standard that i on a personal level try and hold in my role here as creative director is that's the measure that i kind of hold mm. myself to mm. so i'm very similar to you guys there's not one person that i adhere to and get super inspired by but to me the quality that i find most admirable is people who just if they say they're going to do something they do it and they're doers more than going around saying I'm going to do this or I imagine this they just so willing to get the work done and to go through the grit to get to where they want to be for example my sister gave up her full-time job went freelance and has just thrived in it and we have our one of our advisors who decided to just start a dumplings stand in her local market and then she's absolutely thrived in that And then my friend back at home, she gave up her job as a lawyer to go back to university to study physiotherapy. For me, I find that really admirable because it takes guts to just go do it. And it takes a good amount of courage to just put in the work to get it done and to go through some of the failures and some of the things that people might say about you because they're like, oh, I don't agree with that decision. Uh, And willing to stick by what you think is right for yourself to me, I find that's the most inspiring element in a person is just someone who just gets it done. Mm. And if we go full circle, it's just do it like Nike and Nike yeah, represents well, Michael okay. Jordan. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well done. That's good knowledge, though. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. For someone that you know, hasn't watched anything about Michael Jordan. My, my Michael Jordan no, um, what um, is, it? Space, is Jam. Space Jam. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. But Buzz Bunny, I haven't seen Buzz Bunny around in ages. Buzz Bunny. Buzz Bunny. It's a Buzz Bunny. <laughs> oh my! Goodness. I don't know who that is. <laughs> and Dally Duck. <laughs> Those are just the knockoff version. Yeah, yeah. Buzz Bunny. Wait, what's his name? Bugs. Bugs. <laughs> okay. Have you just discovered this? You know what? I've had my maybe in your knockoff about... Australian cartoon. No, is it knockoff? The, <laughs> yeah, the Laney. The Laney Times. <laughs> the Laney Times. <laughs> So it's oh. bugs. Yeah, bugs, money. Yeah, I'm totally turning into nice. my mother. They don't have Roadrunner, they have Rimmus, River Swimmer. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Rimmer Swimmer. Rimmer Swimmer. Rewind. I don't know about the Rimmer. <laughs> Whoa. I think I'm kind of similar to what Matt said. You know, I've really appreciated people of good character, seeing them in their everyday lives, thankful for what they have, humble, doing a good job. For me, I'm always impressed by people who are not perfectionists, but people who just love to do what they do. And who can be lighthearted about things, who can laugh at their mistakes, who can just enjoy what they do. And I think for me personally as well as a creative, it's a bit weird to say this, but I've always tried to encourage myself, if that makes sense. So looking in the mirror or looking over my work and thinking, okay, where can I go next? Maybe that's unique to what I do. And I'm sure there'll be loads of people who can empathize with that, that personal drive just to be able to go. I love what I do. I just want to see what the next thing I can do. And I even recognize that from a young age. I always had an idea floating around in my head. And my immediate thought was, how far can I take this idea? Whether that's like, you know, really wanting a Hot Wheels track as a kid. And my parents saying that we just didn't have the money for it. So I got the cereal boxes in the kitchen and made my own yes. one. Yes. Out of you know. The toilet roll. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, rearranging ornaments and objects around the house to meet my play needs as a child. Completely destroying the living room. Even just, you know, as a child watching programs like Smart and Blue Peter, where you see these presenters with such enthusiasm for the, even just the simple things, you know, learning how to make stuff out of the everyday ordinary item and, you know, really putting your mind to it and having fun. So I think I've always been encouraged by people who can take what they have and make the most of it. I've always tried to anchor myself in that way when it comes to my own creativity. It's not to kind of overexert myself and think, oh, well, I... I can't be like this person or I can't be like that person, but just to think, okay, what what can I offer and can I do a good job of it? And for me, I find a lot of purpose in that, you know, knowing that who I am and what I do. So we thought we'd end this episode with stuff that's on our radar because we're all very different. So 
we kind of pride ourselves at 161 in being a diverse agency and that means in our interests in our ethnicity in our background um even our disciplines and so we thought we'd give the opportunity at the end of the episode for everyone to just quickly share something that's on their radar that they're excited about at the moment so jared ready player two comes out today I think on audiobook, maybe it's already out. So oh, wait, there's a sequel to Yeah, there's a book. The book. Not, oh, not, the... not in the movie. Um, look, the movie was, the movie did as good as it possibly could. Possibly could. Was it croissant? Yeah. <laughs> I think it really could. I so think... the movie is as good as a croissant. Look, the book, the book had so many things in there that to get the rights to be able to pull off all the stuff in the book, I think it would be impossible. So the movie did what it could. Okay. And I think the movie, to be honest, it was like, eh. But the book, the book is incredible. And it's read on Amazon by Will Wheaton. And he does such a good job. So the second one is out. I've probably read or listened to it more than eight times, I reckon. Really? Mm. And the second book's out when? Today. I've pre-ordered on Audible. Oh, wow. I haven't started, so. I've got credit, so I'm going to get that. I'm super excited. I'm only like two chapters into the first one. To the first one? The first one's great. It is good, though. Mm. Anyway, so that's what I'm excited about. Nice. nice. Who's next? I don't know if this counts, but I actually really appreciate the new Marvel storyline for Spider-Man introducing Miles Morales. Mm. Okay, deep. Yeah, I'm really encouraged by how they've adapted the story to include more characters, but specifically the new Spider-Man, Miles, you know, representing a part of New York that rarely gets represented in comic books and maybe even film in general. So... That gets me really excited, and especially because it's coming out, oh, it's out already as a video game, so yeah. I've read a few of the original comic books, and I guess for me, what I'm sold on is the storytelling behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, being authentic to part of a culture that maybe most people won't hear about, because let's be honest, a lot of comic books are written with the default man or woman, yeah. mold, uh, small town person who has a radioactive you know, yeah. accident encounter, yeah. but yeah, it's great. It's great to yeah, see nice. diversity in stories. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's yeah, cool. cool. Um, I think in the relevancy of this climate of COVID, I've recently read a book by Zadie Smith called Intimations: Six Essays, and essentially, it's one of the first of I'm sure what will be many books about this year, and it's just her thoughts about 2020 mm. and the issues that we had to explore as a globe in this earth and anyway I just find a lot of her thought processes quite interesting and she wrote those six essays when she was in lockdown and stuck at home so one of the essays was to do with everything that's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement Mm. and just her thoughts around race and identity and I think for me one question I got left with was whether she wrote that essay before or after everything that happened with George Floyd in the US Mm. But I did find a lot of her thoughts quite interesting and quite provoking as well. And yeah, yeah, definitely worth a read. Yeah, great. Yeah, and who's that again? Zadie Smith. Zadie Smith. Intimations. Intimations. Okay, cool. Nice. So I watched this Netflix thing literally last night called We Are The Champions, which I think is like five or six episodes. And every episode features a competition of some kind that's a bit oh, abstract. So like a cheese rolling down the hill yes. or something. So yeah. I watched the episode which is I'm try I was trying to find the name of it, but it's the Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling and <laughs> Wake, which is in Gloucestershire. It's this huge hill. And you've probably all seen it before because it's like one of those, you know, like the Spanish bull run thing. Like mm, yeah. it's like one of those things that happens around the world, which is also I think in one of the episodes. But it's just really interesting because it's like a Netflix documentary. It's like 35 minutes long. Mm. And I didn't realize that they have like men's races and then they have an uphill race, which is for kids. And then they only have one race, which is a women's race. Mm. So there's some guy that's like 20 something times champion of the downhill run. Wow. And he is like a god there. Like he's like. (laughs) Does he catch the 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 cheese? No, so what happens is the race, this is the thing, you, the race isn't to catch the cheese. They roll the cheese, and then as soon as they roll it, you can go. And it's the first person to the bottom wins the cheese. Isn't it and quite gets, dangerous? Like, like going it down is that hill? so, so, when you watch people, they're like just bouncing. Some people have got a technique which when they fall, because the thing is, everyone falls. So yeah. it's how you react to the fall, because it's so fast. Like the cheese, I can't remember what they said, it goes like X miles an hour down the hill. But it's how when you fall, you use the fall to move forward without injuring yourself. You become the cheese. You become... <laughs> anyway, the, what's Jared, fascinating is they focus on the women's race because to win it, 
more than three times in a row is like world record. It's like unheard of. Yeah. And so there's this young woman called Florence Early, and she's won it four times in a row. And it's just built around her wow. story of how she won it when she was like 18, 17, 18. And it's so interesting because the race is technically illegal. So no one can officially organize it because there's so many liabilities. Because <laughs> if someone dies, oh, you wrote. So they have an unofficial organizer who's just this woman in a pub. What? Like down the, at the bottom. Wow. And so she can't be charged because she's not. No. And it's gone on for like hundreds of years. And there's loads of like stories about how it started. And apparently it's in like the Doomsday book. Like there's a picture of oh like goodness. some old guys with a wheel of cheese. But it's gone on forever. Really? Really. <laughs> Wait, but I'm, I'm sorry. How do they? So anyway, how, how's it unofficial so, though? Like, <laughs> it's unofficial. Hey it guys, even says on the I may or may, I may or may not roll a roll a wheel of cheese yeah, down no. the hill today. <laughs> and the person that that rolls the cheese is like dressed in like a. Wait, a wait, thing. wait, wait, wait! Did you see Steph for a second there? <laughs> I was trying to say I can neither confirm nor say? deny. But all she said was. I'm sorry, guys. My speech today. Do you know one thing I've wondered about that race? Why do people not cartwheel? Oh, oh mate, the speed like that you go. Every you d- bone in your so body. this Florence girl, right? She yeah. runs. Da- she the last time she did it, the third time. It's all about is she going to win a fourth time? The okay. episode. Okay. The third time she goes down, the fall is insane, and she comes up and she broke a collarbone. <gasps> so one side of her body there's just a huge bump oh and it's like goodness. she's saying like yeah technically when you break your collarbone like this it's just dislocated but it will never go back oh so your bones just sticking up what so you can't like you can't pop it back what are they because it would just you could just frat anyway so then she does the race and spoiler alert wow. she, she wins the whatever <laughs> and at the end she's just sat and like she sat with the second and third <laughs> And it like at the very very end, it just cuts to her foot, and she's got ice on it, and she's like, uh, and they're like, is it broken? And she's like, no, like it's probably not broken. And then the next scene is like, (laughs) she's broken her foot. She's on crutches. Oh my gosh! (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I'm not doing it again. Like I've tempted fate too many times. I've won it four times. But anyway, I just thought it's super interesting because it's just this like I love when like little local stories become. Mm. celebrated like the Michael Jordans. Like it's mm. like the most important sporting event. Because we've all done sports days, right? Where our yeah. parents came and we like did that thing we were super proud of when we were like seven years old. We all have those memories. And so for me, I just watching it, it has those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't all have this. If we don't have any I level of excellence. Participation award. Stubby fat kids who just always came last. Mm. Mate. Sorry, um, guys, I turned out okay. I turned out okay. You definitely did. You're a beautiful man. Oh, if you're listening for the first time, which you will be because this is the first episode, thank you very much. We'll mm. see you again on the next episode soon. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.